Hi, everybody, and welcome to Joint Air Christian Lifestyle, the podcast where we celebrate diversity within the body of Christ. I'm your host, Shane Fritz, and it's been a little while since I've been uh, able to do an episode with you guys. I've had a crazy couple of months here, um, and actually this evening I want to share um, some testimony and really some revelation that I got while I had the opportunity to uh, go to Uganda over in Africa and uh, be a part of a missions trip over there. And uh, and so I was over there in uh, towards the end of July, and when I got home from there, um, I was asked by uh, a neighboring church here, Gates of Praise Worship Center in Littlestown, um, if I would come in and uh, and share some of that testimony of what happened. And uh, and so I did that. And so the following clip is an excerpt um, from that morning service that I did at Gates of Praise Worship Center. Hope you guys enjoy. Be blessed. Hallelujah. The video is getting me choked up. There's a lot that happened over there. I want to thank Gates of Praise as a house for, for sewing into that trip and being a part of it. Um, it was last... Hmm, come on, Jesus. It was uh, last December, middle of last December. Um, God started speaking to me about going on that trip. And, and honestly, I was really, really hesitant. I was really wrestling with the Lord on what to do. Because I've never been outside the United States. I've never been on a plane. Missions trip really wasn't in my um, field of vision. Is that a good way to put it? And so I sat on it probably for like a week and a half. And then I talked to Victoria. And I said, uh, I, I feel like the Lord's telling me I need to go. I said, but I'm waiting until the first of the year before I say anything to anybody. I said, uh, I just want to be sure. And so, you know, sure enough, first of the year we started talking about it and we had so many people so into this trip and guys if there's one thing i can say you know when god said go i didn't know how that was going to work out like financially i couldn't even think about it it didn't make sense financially at all honestly when i left on the trip it still didn't make sense financially if you were looking at my bank account but it made perfect sense because of so many people who said listen God spoke to me, I'm sowing a seed, I'm sowing a seed, I'm sowing a seed from so many different places that I could never imagine I'm coming from. And you guys were a part of that. So I just, I thank you. But if God's telling you go, just go. Because he'll provide. On top of that, I'm sure you guys all know I'm pretty new to to a lot of this, right? Anyways, so like I'd never worked with an interpreter before. That was kind of something that was freaking me out a little bit, just to be honest. And then there was uh, this beautiful church in Hanover, Ipka, which uh, stands for words I can't pronounce, but it means the potter's house. And uh, it's Pastor Peter out there. And, uh, you know, he came up to me in the spring. He said, listen, brother, I really feel like, I really feel like I need to bring you in. And so I got that chance to minister with the with an interpreter before I went and kind of take some of the edge off and get that training. That's the other thing. You know, God always trains you before you go. So, anyways, that was that was some amazing stuff that happened. Like I said, um, I never was on a plane. I, I didn't even have a, a compass to navigate through any of this. So, as 39, I'm with, you know, three other pastors. Now, they all know what they're doing, so I'm, like, following like a little kid. You know what I mean? I'm getting led through the airport this way, that way. If I lost sight, I was done, okay? Um, but we got there. 
We got there, fine. Uh, 18 hours of flight, no problem. It was all good. For a first time, it was it was just fine. Um, side note, it's okay to pray over your luggage when you travel. Um, the, the airline that we went with, um, they have a one-star rating. Um, and we didn't know that at the time, but, but they have a one-star rating, mostly because of luggage not making it. And, uh, and so when we, before I left, Victoria anointed my bags with oil and prayed over them. And uh, so we got delayed in Washington. When we got to Ethiopia, we had about 45 minutes to an hour to get from this flight to that flight. And then our minds were saying, there ain't no way all these bags are making it onto the next plane. At this point, we're all like 30 hours without sleep, like total. Um, when we get to um, Uganda, when we get to the airport there, sure enough, my bags are coming off in a row. I was the only one in the group, sorry to anybody watching this, I was the only one in the group to receive all my bags. Um, but all my bags got there, so praise God. Um, and we drove an hour and a half into the city where we were staying. And uh, shortly after, we drove an hour and a half back to get our the rest of the group's luggage. But uh, but anyways, it was it was really awesome. Um, so that was kind of our first day into country. The second day was Sunday, and uh, they said uh, this is the time you need to be in the hotel lobby. Your your ride will be there, and they're going to take you. And so uh, here I am, the guy that's like getting led by the hand through the airport. Um, now I'm just kind of like off on my own, don't really know what's going to happen. I'm in a car with somebody. We get to the church. He goes, here's the pastor. The pastor grabs me by the hand, Pastor Richard, amazing man of God. And he leads me He leads me into the church just like a child, just like I'd been really getting led the whole time. But then my driver, he takes off. He He had to go drive other people. So I'm really like in the middle of I don't know where, right? But it was all good. I was in God's hands. And that first service, you know, um, a lot happened. I was talking about generational stuff. Really didn't know why I was going there. But, you know, in the midst of that, we did an altar call. Many people came forward. And, and one of the things that jumps out to you almost immediately there is that you're dealing with a lot of first-generation, second-generation Christians. That being said, a lot of them have had witchcraft, curses, that kind of stuff. They've got family that's mad about what they're doing. And so that generational stuff follows them, and they're seeking freedom from that. And so it was like a really, really amazing um, time of altar ministry there. Um, after the service, uh, Pastor Richard, the hospitality over there is just second to none. I, I can't say enough about it. I mean, they just take such good care of us, um, right down to leading us by the hand. But, but when I got done uh, ministering, he said, uh, I'd like to take you out for lunch. Would you like uh, traditional food or American food? And in my mind, I'm thinking, well, this is day one. I better play it safe. So I said, I'll, I'll probably do American if that's all right. And he goes, well, I hear you might be familiar with KFC. And I said, yes, I am. So we went and ate at KFC in Uganda. Um, it was really good. Everything over there that I ate was, was honestly excellent. Um, they season everything a little different. KFC tasted a little different, but it was really good. When we came out of KFC, um, there's a lot of people there who are just walking the streets. And uh, and they have, you know, like what you see with like the Chiquita lady, right, with the bananas up on her head, you know, the plantains. And everybody's carrying fruit and vegetables like that, trying to sell it along the road. 
And so as we come out of KFC, there's a man with a bucket full of peanuts. And he's coming up to me, and he said, uh, you know, he's trying to get me to buy his peanuts. And I'm nicely saying, no, that's all right. I'm, I'm good. I'm full. I just ate, you know. And, uh, and then he goes, are, are you a pastor? And I said, yes, I am. And he said, well, then can you pray for me? And I said, okay. What would you like prayer for? He goes, pray that I sell my peanuts today. <laughs> so, so we did. We, we did pray for him and, and had a good conversation there. Um, and, uh, and so that evening, uh, after everybody had done, got done ministering, um, we went to the location of the crusade. That was some of the pictures you saw um, with the children gathered around and, and stuff. And, um, and we got to pray over that area. And then, of course, the next morning we kicked off right into this pastor's conference. And, and the pastor's conference is really significant in the fact that you have to understand that, like, there's a lot of people there who are walking to get anywhere. Um, and the next most likely means of transportation is the boda boda, which is the motorcycle. And we saw motorcycles, like, literally hauling, like, eight, pound, or eight bags of 100 pounds of rice. I mean, they stack these little motorcycles full of stuff. They'll have four or five passengers on them. And uh, so that's the next most likely means of transportation. And that being said, you had this conference, and we had well over 300 pastors come from around the country. And actually, there was five nations represented there. They had traveled out of Rwanda, Burundi, Kenya. Um, you know, so there was a lot of coverage there, people that had, had made plans to travel. And they said, this does not happen for for our people to be able to come together and, and set up lodging for them and all like that. So it was, it was really a, it was an awesome time. I was there with, with of course, um, Apostle Jamie. Um, probably, I, was everybody at the tent revival last, or a couple weeks ago, or anybody not know who I'm talking about from Fan the Fire, Apostle Jamie? No? Okay. Anyways, um, so... Apostle Jamie, uh, you know, of course, he was leading the mission strip. Then we had um, Pastor Ken Martz from Covenant Life there, myself, and then we had Pastor Joyce Swim out of North Carolina, and uh, it was just amazing. I mean, to be there and to be able to to minister in that conference uh, it was truly humbling. Um, you know, you've got great men of God that that have been doing this a long time, and they're being encouraged by you. And in the midst of that, you know, I got to sit there and be encouraged all week also. It was really like that ironing, sharpening iron and, uh, and just getting to receive from everybody. Um, so we got done on the first day of the pastor's conference, and they fed us lunch right there. And so um, we're sitting in the, the pastor's office eating lunch, and the plan for the first day was that they were going to parade through the streets to the site of the crusade. And so we were waiting for the go-ahead on that. And uh, we were waiting and waiting and waiting. It was like really started to seem like we were taking too long. And then sure enough, um, the bishop over there, Bishop Michael, he came in and he said, we have a problem. They're telling us that this, con that this crusade cannot go on. There's a, there's a man from the police over there. He's saying that we don't have the right to be on the grounds. He wants us to tear it all down and move it to a different site today. Now, what you have to understand is that this event went out on national radio. It was on national TV. Um, we had political figures involved. The mayor knew about it. I mean, we're talking about a city probably bigger than Philadelphia, at least. 
um, huge city. Um, there were people high up in the government that knew about it. There were people from the military that knew about it. Everything was set in a row that this thing should go off without a hitch. But at that point, they said, all right, we're going to go ahead and, and take you back to the hotel and just pray about it. So as we got back to the hotel, I think that's what all of us did. We started firing off messages to home. Hey, can you get everybody praying? We need prayer. They're trying to stop this. Well, what I can tell you is it didn't take long praying. And we got the, the word that sound check was going on. Everything had been cleared up, and it was going to go off on time. So except for missing the parade in, everything went off just as it should. Side note, here's what happened. So everything was set up just as it was supposed to be, and they kept sending the permit through to the police. And as they were sending the permit through, it was getting to the police chief's secretary, who apparently is a very nice Muslim woman. And as soon as she would see the permit come across her desk, she would stamp the night and send it back. It was never making it to the police chief. Apparently this had happened like five or six times. But on that day, they went around and they got to the police chief. So... Praise God for that, right? Um, talking about the first night of the crusade, I just want to talk about the numbers for a minute. I know numbers aren't everything, but like, come on, we had a crusade. Let's hear about the numbers, right? So we had probably four to 5,000 in attendance um, most evenings. And in the midst of that, we had thousands responding to altar call every night. Um, we had over 500 people accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Can we give a round of applause for that? You guys were a part of that, okay? Um, thousands, I mean thousands, healed and delivered. There was only four of us that were working the altar. We were praying for three to 400 people a night within an hour and a half time frame. It was... I don't want to say insane, but it was. I mean, we, we were really, we were praying as thoroughly and as quickly as we could the entire time. But what really, you know, what struck me in the midst of all that was like, they'd be starting this crusade. They would do music for like a few hours before the actual like speaking would start. And so the whole time they'd be doing this music and they were, they were doing it in Uganda. And we really didn't know what they were singing about for most of the time or what they were talking about in between songs. But then they would come on every couple of songs and there were people that were perched on the walls of the stadium that were looking in. There were people on the rooftops, like from the next set of houses back looking over. There were people like clinging to the, to the chain link fence looking in the people on the street, like they couldn't take their eyes off of it. And they would go up every couple songs and they'd say, today is your day. Get your healing today. Get your miracle today. Today is your day. And they would just kept on declaring that. Your healing is here today. Get your healing today. Today is your day for your miracle. Get your miracle today. They never let anything, no questions at all come into it. The expectation was that great that they couldn't help but experience the goodness of God. It was just amazing. And so, you know, we had it where literally people were waiting, like I said, over an hour in line to get healed. And some of them, by the time they'd get up there, they'd say, well, I got healed about a half hour ago in the line, but can you pray a blessing over me anyways? And so it was just, it was amazing. I mean, 
um, you know, when they would do the initial altar call, and like I said, we dealt with a lot of uh, demonic possession and stuff over there. And when they would do the initial altar call, while they were still praying over the group, we'd see them manifesting in the altar and literally getting delivered before anybody even started laying hands on them. All right. So can I share some stories? So, and first of all, I just, before I go into to the testimonies of some of the healings and stuff, I just want to say, first and foremost, we give God all the glory. It had nothing to do with us, you know, and, and I just want to be really, really clear about that. It was amazing what he did, but all we did was give our yes to go. And so I, I just, can we just give God a, a hand clap of praise, right? And so probably the one that stands out to me the most um, was a woman that came up, and we prayed with so many people that you would see many with the same issue. It was almost like we were drawing the same issue to us. Um, And so in one night, I had three different people come up to me with paralyzed hands. I'm going to talk about two of them tonight. But the first was a woman who said she hadn't moved her hand for 10 years. And when she held up her hand to me, And this woman had beautiful, dark black skin. And when she held up her hand to me, her hand was gray. It was cold, and it was flat. You could tell this hand had not moved for 10 years. There was no muscle development in it at all. And like I said, we were praying fast. But as we prayed for her, all of a sudden the color returned. Her hand got full, and it got warm. And she starts moving her hand like this in front of us. I mean... Come on, this is good stuff, guys. We, the same night, like I said, there was like three people this one night that came up with paralyzed hands. The next one was a young mom, and she had her baby with her. Maybe two, probably two years old would be my guess. And she said, my baby has never moved its hand. Now, you know, like with a baby, you can't be like, hey, try it out. So we were praying over this baby, and we did pray a few times over the baby. But as we were praying... I would take my finger under his hand and just kind of tickle the palm of his hand, and he was beginning to, to move his fingers. And now mom, she's, she's a woman of God too, so she's there praying in agreement with us while we're praying over the, the baby. And the next thing you know, she opens her eyes up. She sees her baby moving its hand. She's like, my God, look at what's happening. You know, tears just flowing down her, her face. So really amazing stuff. We saw... Um, many people with stomach problems, um, stomach and back problems, and and almost immediately, as you would say, pain, they would say, I'm good. Uh, And smiles would light up on their faces. It it was amazing. We had people um, with ulcers, you know, and uh, one woman in particular I I can think of, as I placed my hand on her stomach, it felt like there was something crawling in her stomach as I prayed over her. And I just prayed till the, the crawling stopped, and she, she was, again, just weeping. And, and, you know, she had been in pain when she came up there, almost doubled over, and she was completely set free. We had a, had a lady there. They carried her in. Um, no wheelchairs, but they carried this lady in, and uh, they sat her on a chair. And, uh, and I believe this was Apostle Jamie that prayed over her, and, and uh, she hadn't walked for years. Next thing you know, she's standing up. She's marching back and forth across the stage and running, and, and it, was, it was amazing. Same kind of thing. 
It's okay. We can clap. <laughs> um, uh, another one that stands out to me, there was a, a lady there. Um, she had a lump in her neck, and I believe this was Pastor Ken that prayed for her. She had a lump in her neck, and as he laid his hands on this side of the neck and prayed, the lump popped out on this side of the neck. And so he laid his hands on the other side of the neck, and he prayed. And he said, this time it went to the middle. He said, now I stepped out of the way because I'm worried this thing's going to come out. So uh, so he prayed, and then it totally, totally left her. It did not come out, but it, he prayed, and it totally left her. Um, people, you know, some things we don't even, we, we wouldn't even really think about. Like, I wear glasses, you know. But there's people over there that, like, glasses aren't an option. So we had people coming up saying, I can't see things far away. And, uh, and so they wanted prayer for their eyesight. And, you know, we would lay hands on them. And, and before you knew it, they were reading stuff I can't read with my glasses. It was pretty, pretty amazing what was happening. Um, you know, the children there, the heart of the children there was just amazing. We had young kids. Now, you had, like, into your teens coming up. But young kids, like five, six, seven years old coming up, and they were saying, can you pray for me for wisdom? Coming up without mom and dad, can you pray for me to have wisdom? Come on, guys. We, can you imagine if we saw that in the church today? I mean, I'm not saying. I'm just saying. It's pretty awesome. And, and so we had a lot of that, just praying blessings over children, and, and that was amazing. Um, we had uh, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on deliverance stuff, but we did have one single mom that she really sticks out in my mind. Um, she had brought her three children up. She was a single mom, and she was praying that they would be better behaved and that they would get wisdom. And that was her request. And, and so um, we were praying over the children. Now I'm like, I don't know, an hour deep into prayer, so I'm laying hands on everybody, and I, and I prayed over the kids. And as soon as I touched mom, her tongue shot out of her mouth, probably a foot out of her mouth. She starts manifesting. She hits the ground. She gets delivered of like six demons. She didn't even know she had anything going on with her. Um, the next day was the, that was the last night of the crusade. The next day, she's there to get baptized. Come on. That's, yeah, right? Praise God. That's, that's awesome. Um, we, did, uh, we did baptisms there. In uh, let's see, I'm not. I just want to make sure I don't skip anything because there's some good stuff here. Anyways, so we did baptisms in Lake Victoria. Now, one thing about Lake Victoria is that um, they tell you um, you really shouldn't swim in it. Like the water's not good. I I can attest to that. Um, I had got a couple scratches um, there early in the week, and uh, when I went into the water, I came back out. I was Man, my leg was like swelled up and burning. Um, really, really not good water. Um, you can tell the people there don't swim in it because they were like gripping on, like grip of life, trying to hang on. They, they were freaked out going into that water. But uh, we had over 80 people baptized there. And so just, a, just an amazing time. It was quite a trek from where we were to where we went. Um, the picture of us wearing the dust masks. If you don't wear the dust masks, you can't breathe over there. The roads are just that that dusty. Um, and, of course, most of the vehicles don't have any air conditioning. So you're literally just windows down taking that dust in, you know. So, yeah, yeah, that's uh, that was what those pictures were about. Um, 
you probably saw like the foot washing ceremonies and, and stuff that we had pictures of there. Um, people holding up certificates. So Fan the Fire Ministries International, um, they have Bishop Michael over there, and he's the head of Fan the Fire Ministries in Uganda. And under him, he has almost 600 pastors in the area. And so that was the ordination of new pastors and then the appointment. And he really runs he really runs things. So it's just so kingdom because it's in order. You know what I'm saying? And uh, so he was appointing regional and district overseers because, like I said, it's a lot to travel. So it's much better if they can have people close to those churches. And uh, and so, yeah, that was that was what that was that you were seeing. Um, one really neat thing that happened um, was I had made a friend on Facebook named uh, Morrison Sunday, and he's a pastor um, from about 100 kilometers. I, I don't know how I'm going to do my math here, but anyways, 100 kilometers away from the city we were staying in, and uh, he wanted to make plans to come down and meet me in person. He was able to come down and meet me in person. Um, now in the midst of that, um, at his church, because he's praying over people and things are happening. He actually has a neighboring pastor who was insanely jealous of him and trying to shut him down. Now he had never been through any kind of schooling. He didn't have um, any kind of spiritual covering at the time. He's just, he's just operating how God is leading him. And so it was really awesome. While we were there, um, they said, listen, we're going to do this as a provision because you traveled a long way. We're going to do this as a provision. We're going to ordain you and we're going to give you so long to go through the training. That way, you have credentials to go back and continue operating your church. So it was, it was really just awesome that that door opened up for him. The last Sunday I was there, that's when I got my neat shirt on the last Sunday. It's all right. I like it. Um, I got this at a church uh, that I can't pronounce the name of. Uh, it's only a Ugandan word, but it actually sums up one whole verse in Matthew 5 in one word. It's, it's, it's pretty awesome. Um, and that was with Pastor Freddie and his wife. And, and they're bivocational, and, and so they're, the business they do outside of, of ministering is that she's a seamstress. And so this is actually a handmade shirt, which is pretty awesome. And, uh, and so I went in there, and, and I was able to minister again. And uh, we were on a time crunch that day. So I didn't minister very long. I only, I think I only preached for about 15 minutes. And I knew I needed to pray over, do an altar call. And, uh, and what you learn over there is that everybody responds to the altar call. And so I wanted to do justice to praying for the people. And so we did that, and we saw a lot of people getting delivered again, um, healings happening. There was a lot of marriage stuff in that church that was happening, uh, people coming back together. And, it, you know, it had everything to do like it does in America, right? Finances, like a lot of people over there stressed about where they are in life and turning on each other. But, you know, in the midst of that, God just showed up and, and did some amazing things. And then we were on a plane home. And here I am. Thank God, right? Hallelujah. When I got home, and you can ask my wife later if you don't believe me, but when I got home, I told her, like, I, I just saw so much stuff. Like, I, I was like, I got to process this. Like, I don't even know what to do with some of what I've seen. And people told me before I left, like, 
this is going to change you. This is going to mark you. In fact, uh, you know, Dennis was, was talking about that this morning. Like, it's going to change how you see things. And, um, but one of the things, you know, people kept, kept asking me to sum up the trip in a word, in a sentence, and, and I was really having trouble. And, and, you know, as you start telling these stories, and, and I just told you a couple this morning of what we saw, you start telling the stories, and, and what I kept hearing from people, and, and I don't mean any disrespect to anybody when I say this, but what I kept hearing from people is, well, in Africa, they only have God. I mean, I heard it from people at work that don't go to church. I, I've heard it from people in the church. And they say, God really shows up because over there they only have God. And what struck me was, like, how tragic that is. Not that they don't have health care. I want you to hear me. Not that I don't want them to have good health care. But do you understand what we say when we say a phrase like, they only have God? What are we saying? That we have something besides God. The same Holy Spirit that was moving over in Africa is the same Holy Spirit that wants to move right here. But there's a complete abandonment there of everything else because there is nothing else. But here, you know, as we start talking about people regaining eyesight, people receiving healing. I mean, we prayed over HIV all over the place. We prayed over cancer all over the place. That's stuff that we're not going to know right now, but I'm waiting on those testimonies to come in because I believe people left HIV in Lake Victoria when they were baptized. Amen? Can you imagine, and 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 I talked about this, you know, the expectation that they put out there, the certainty in what they said. Today is your day for your healing. Today is your day for your miracle. Today is your day for your breakthrough. And they would say it just like that. Can you imagine the backlash that would happen in an American church if they put a healing service out and said those kind of things? The truth is, we're scared to death of what's going to happen if nothing happens. I said that out loud, didn't I? One of the things that, that I've heard heard up at Harvest Chapel over and over again, Pastor Don up there, if you raise your expectation, you'll raise your experience. And I, and I really do, as, as I went through that trip and as I've come home, that makes more and more sense to me all the time because I saw the expectation. And when we expect, things happen. He's waiting to show up in our expectation. Amen? All right. Where am I at time-wise? You guys good? Can we talk a little bit? All right, let's do it. Can we turn to Mark 10? And we're going to start in verse 46. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation today. We're going to talk about Bartimaeus. And I believe that there's exactly what I've been talking about here is exactly what we'll see in this account of Bartimaeus. And so I'm going to go ahead and read there. Mark 10, verse 46, it says, Then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. And when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, Tell him to come here. 
So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go, for your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. There's a few things that jump out of me in this account. I'm going to talk about three of them to start with. The first thing is that this blind man receives, he's got the name listed in the scriptures, Bartimaeus. And it says it means son of Timaeus. Timaeus meaning honor. So we have a son of honor who is blind. Everybody tracking with me here? All right, now, when we look at this next, where's Jesus coming from? It says he entered into Jericho, and as he's leaving town, right, that's where he comes across Bartimaeus. And he's on his way to Jerusalem. So I want to talk here about what we're going to see here is that we're talking about Jericho. Now, the blind man's not in Jericho, but he's outside of Jericho, somewhere between Jericho and Jerusalem. Now, Jericho, right, if we would turn back to Joshua 6, we would see Jericho getting cursed after its destruction. Everybody good with me here? It was known even in Jesus' day as the city of the curse that even generationally there would be a curse on anyone that would try to rebuild the city. And Jesus is traveling through. He's left Jericho, and he's on his way to Jerusalem. Now we see Jerusalem, right? And we have, what does that mean? Jerusalem. So we have the city of peace. But it's not just peace, right? But as we look at the meaning of shalom, right? It's completeness. It's wholeness. It's restoration uh, language in that meaning, right? Tranquility. Rest. All of that lies in the meaning of that name. And so we have Jesus traveling from the city of the curse to the city of peace. You guys good with me? And we have a son of honor somewhere between. And it says that he had heard that Jesus was coming. He heard it. Scripture tells us faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Somebody had been talking about Jesus, and that's how this son of honor knew that there was something coming that could change where he was between the city of the curse and the city of peace. And in that, in that recognition of what he needed, what's he do? He starts to cry out. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He wants something to change in his life. And what happens? People are trying to quiet him down. Don't bother Jesus. Jesus is busy. Don't you see he's traveling? He's talking to important people. You need to hold it down. Don't be bothering Jesus with that. He's too busy to worry about your blindness. But there's a determination there. There's an expectancy. Amen? There's an expectancy. And so what does he do? He grows louder. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he starts reaching out, right? Now what happens? Jesus hears him. Something's about to happen, right? What happens if Jesus doesn't talk to Bartimaeus? What's Jesus do? Come on, this is good stuff here. 
Jesus talks to the people that have been trying to quiet Bartimaeus down. He said, bring him here. Come on, bring Bartimaeus to me. Sometimes your hushers have to become your ushers. Can I talk to you, church? There's a lot of times when people are going to tell you, no, 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 no. You shouldn't go on that missions trip. No, 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 no. You shouldn't reach out and do this form of ministry. You shouldn't put yourself out there in your workplace. On and on and on and on and on. People will tell you you don't belong. But God is going to always put you where people say you shouldn't be. That's how he glorifies himself. Amen? And so what's he do? He brings Bartimaeus up to him, right? What's Bartimaeus do? This is good. Bartimaeus takes off his coat, right? Can you see him doing it, right? These people, that they were just telling him, listen, shut up and don't bother the teacher, right? Now they're saying, all right, come on up. Jesus wants to talk to you. It's okay. Jesus said so, right? What's Bartimaeus do? He takes off that jacket, balls it up. Come on, let's go see Jesus. Come on, right? That's what he does. Why is that significant? It was just a coat, right? You know, it was more than a coat. Everybody know that? It was more than a coat that he was taking off. See, a beggar actually got a government-issued uniform. It was the same as if he had been a police officer, military personnel. He was a government-appointed person that was allowed to beg that they wouldn't take off the street. Now, you've got to understand, as he takes that coat off and he throws it, right? These people did not care about him 30 seconds before. They surely weren't going to care about him if he got up there and Jesus said, hey, I have nothing I can do for you today. That coat was as good as gone. He wasn't finding it again. Can you imagine somebody in the crowd's like, oh, man, I'm going to take the day off work. Just get my alms out here. No, I'm, uh, come on. Lord, forgive me. He throws aside this coat. And he goes up to Jesus and he, and Jesus says, what do you want me to do? And, and he heals him, of course, right? And when I think about that account, when I think about that abandonment of the coat, when I tell you something, church, I believe that there's a lot of people, and I'm not, I'm not saying this because I think it of anybody here today, but I think there's a lot of people in the body of Christ that are sitting somewhere between the city of the curse and the city of peace, right? And they could be following Jesus, but they're hanging on to a coat. Are we all right with that? Is that fair? They're hanging on to a coat. They're hanging on to, to an identity that's not founded on Jesus. They're hanging on to the healthcare system and the next surgery and, and the next prescription pill that's going to come down the pike that's going to take care of it, right? That we're going to need a prescription to take care of the prescription for, right? We've seen it. Come on. There's people that are hanging on to that. The difference that we saw when we were over in that foreign nation, right, when we were in Uganda, was that there was an abandonment, right, because there was no coat. All they had was Jesus. But when you have a coat, right, sometimes you've got to take the coat off and throw it where you know you can't find it again and just follow Jesus because that's what it says, right? He gets healed and he follows Jesus. Where's Jesus going? Jerusalem. Can you imagine? People said, hmm. since I've been back, what have people said? In Africa, they only have God. 
in Africa, they only have God. Can you imagine if in Harrisburg, they started saying in Littlestown, they only have God? Can you imagine if in New York, they started saying in Pennsylvania, they only have God? Come on, guys.